Hey, StoryCorps listeners, Jason Reynolds here. 15 years ago, before I became a writer, I worked as a StoryCorps facilitator, recording hundreds of others sharing what was most important to them. I saw firsthand that every single person has a story. Storytelling is about bearing witness. It's about seeing and being seen. One of the first times I grasped this was in the early 90s when I was just a kid. And I heard a public radio documentary where two teenagers from the south side of Chicago spent a week reporting on what it was like to grow up in and around the Ida B. Wells housing project. My name's Lee Allen Jones and I'm 13 years old. This is Lloyd Newman and I'm 14 years old. So take me on a little journey through my life. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. Hold the bus! Hold the bus! Hold the bus! Lee Allen and Lloyd called their documentary Ghetto Life 101, and they worked with StoryCorps' founder Dave Isay to make it. Tape recorders in hand, they spent a week interviewing their friends, family, teachers, and neighbors. This documentary would become one of the most acclaimed programs in public radio history, and in many ways led to the creation of StoryCorps as we know it. honor to be with you this week as we mourn the loss of Lloyd Newman, who died December 7th, 2022, from complications of sickle cell. He was 43 years old. So in this special episode of the StoryCorps podcast from NPR, an encore of Ghetto Life 101. Good morning, day one. Walking to school. Leaving out to door. This is my dog, Ferocious. You know why he got that name if you hear him bark. (laughs) I see the ghetto every day, walking to school. Guy standing on the corner, burning the fire. Be here summertime, wintertime, spring, fall, every day. The drink in the hand, probably some white port, Willie P, Jack Daniels, E&J. I live here, this is home. This is my walk every day, so take me on a little journey through my life. Here's my life. Here's My name's Lee Allen Jones, and I'm 13 years old. I live in the house just outside the Otterby Wells Projects. My best friend Lloyd Newman lives in the Otterbys. This is our story. Every morning I pick up Lloyd on the way to school. Today we were ready to work, strapped with our tape recorders and microphones. 
got the Tom Brokaw look me like Tom Brokaw. <laughs> you got the Tom Brokaw look, nigga, sit down. This is Lloyd Newman and I'm 14 years old. I live with my brothers and sisters in the Ought to Be Well project. Uh, let me describe Lloyd. Lloyd is a short, uh, he weighs about 75 pounds. I have an inch between my fingers when I put it around his wrist. He got a head like a Martian. <laughs> All right, now let me talk about Liana. His belly take up his whole body. <clears throat> like your uh, head take up yours. <laughs> We've been friends since first grade. That's seven years. Man, seven years of our life together. Our first stop today is Donahue Elementary School. We're both in eighth grade. It's right across the street from Lloyd's house in the projects. Be seated. No, no. Good morning, Vietnam. Monday morning at 8 <laughs> Kind of rowdy in the morning. That's Miss Ford, our homeroom teacher. We give her a hard time. Sometimes we learn. Most of the time, it's just too rowdy to learn. Okay. <laughs> the Allen and I interviewed our principal, Mrs. Toast, about working at a school like Donahue. Is it hard being a teacher in this neighborhood? Yes. Yes, it's difficult. Not so much because the children are really any different. It's difficult because of the publicity that surrounds the area. And you don't believe that we believe you're smart. But sometimes there's no denying we're smart. After school, day one, me and Leala head downtown with our tape recorder. On the bus, someone tells us that there are professional basketball players standing at the Hyatt Regency for being top-notch reporters. We head to the hotel and check it out. You hear the nice music to play? <laughs> we go cool here. A few minutes later, we scammed our way up to the 20th floor. That's what we found, Dale Ellis, Hello. a guard with the San Antonio Spurs. He let us interview him in his room. Yeah, I'm from Rodney Wells. Uh, what part of uh, where the part of the United States are you from? Uh, Atlanta. Actually, Marietta. I'm 20 minutes north of Atlanta. I know that. You played for the Sonics. You won a three-point contest. What are some of your greatest achievements in life? Well, you know, the biggest achievement, I think, is just being here, one. We one. chilled out with Dale for about 15, 20 minutes. It was math cool. Was, math was all my, my favorite subject. It was always my favorite subject. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Can I have your autograph? Yeah. <laughs> Hi. It's good to see you. God damn. That was Dale Ellis. That was Dale Ellis, man. That was Dale Ellis, thank you. Dale Ellis? For the San Antonio Spurs. After we finished with Dale Ellis, Lloyd and I figured we did enough for our first day as reporters. Man, I'm tired. You ain't tired. I think I'm about to have a backstroke carrying this stuff on my back. Okay, I'll be talking to you guys later. I'm out. My house, day two. The alley lives just a block away from me in an old house on Oakwood Boulevard. 
There are three houses attached to the side of his. One of them was burned and two of them just abandoned. One of them, it leans over and keeps moving our house over to the side. When it get cold outside, it get cold in here. When it rain, the rain coming in. Whatever nature do this house do. I'm in my front room now. How you doing, Tucci? Okay. That's my mother. Everyone calls her Tucci. Say hello, Jerry. Hello. My little sister, Jerry. Walking up the stairs. Leala, grandma, and grandpa lives on the second floor of the house. A perfectly flight of steps. Listen. I showed you how really are. My grandmother moved into this house in 1937. Her name is June Marie Jones. I interviewed her in her room. This is still day two. It's 12.06. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to talk about the neighborhood. How it changed and everything. Yeah. How do you think it's changed? To for the worse. When we first came in the area, there were no projects. They were all homes. And at one time, we had nice hotels where different movie stars would come in and stay. How, when did you start seeing a major change in the neighborhood? It wasn't all of a sudden. It happened gradually. Day by day, year by year, you could see the change when people would move out or maybe the original owner would pass and their family didn't want the buildings. And they would just go down. My grandma raised eight kids in this house. Her two oldest boys died. Now she has six kids. I have three boys and three girls. They all spoiled rotten. Oh. <laughs> and so are the grandchildren, and especially you. Get you. <laughs> what type of child was I when I was when I was a whining child? No. He was a nice little red-headed boy with blue eyes. I have blue eyes or brown eyes. They're blue. They was lighter when you were young. And your hair was lighter. And it would turn white in the summer and darker in the fall. Well, how was our name? You got your name from your two oldest uncles. The oldest boy's name was Alan, and the second boy under Judy's name was Eric Lee. And your mother made the two names, your name out of the two names. I said name with no common name. Why my name had to be sim sentimental? Because you're different. Your Lee. name is different and you're different. My name is Lee Allen, Marvin Jones, and I... And she gave you the Marvin... For Marvin Gaye. For Marvin Gaye, because she liked to hear him say. My name is Cinnamon. Yeah, your name is special and you're a special person, too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Compared to other people in this neighborhood, my grandma said she's had it easy. I think I've been blessed, because things could have been a whole lot worse than they have been. But she has had a share of troubles, the kinds of things you see in every family around here. My grandmother had one son who was murdered. She has another son who's addicted to drugs and is in and out of jail. Her grandson, my cousin Jermaine, came down with leukemia when he was six. He was cured, but the medication left him learning disabled. It upset his mother so much that she started drinking. Now he lives here with my grandmother, sleeps in her bed. How old are you? I'm seven. I'll be twenty this year. Uh, what do you think about your mother? She okay. You love her? Yeah. If she not drink, I love her. She start drinking, I don't.
Me, my mother, and my little sister all stay downstairs in the front room. I sleep on the couch. My mother and my sister sleep on a mattress on the floor. Even though my mother lives with us, my grandmother also has custody of me and my sisters because of my mother's mental illness. This is my mother, Tucci. I've been on medication off and on since 1977. She's okay now, but she's had a lot of problems in the past. It's upsetting to see her when she's sick. One time, I had went, I had went downstairs, and uh, it's a long story, but I, I started seeing shadows on the porch, on the back porch, when I used to look out the window at night. And it would look like Ronald Reagan, and he was talking to my grandmother. And I was hearing voices, and the voices told me to run, get butt naked. I had did that before, too, checking my clothes off. What type of voice are these? Are they a man voice or a female voice or just voice? It's just a regular little voice up there. Uh, who is my father? Your father is a fella named Toby Flipper. He's saying you, he know you exist. He's saying you when you was about two, and I ain't seen him since. What do you think happened to him? He probably did. Thank you. Okay. Lloyd lives about two blocks from my house in Otterby Wells Projects. The Otterbys are made up of about 3,000 units. Most of them are low-rise houses. A lot of them are in miserable conditions. Now we're walking in uh, Otterby Wells, which is 50% houses are boarded up. Now we're going into my house. We're knocking on the door, kicking on the door. I hope she hurry up and open. Now we're walking into our house. Lord's house is kind of messed up. There's a lot of roaches creeping around. The toilet has been stopped up off and on for years. The place is always noisy. Lord's mother died two years ago from drinking. His father is also an alcoholic, so Lord's two older sisters have been bringing him up since then. Lord's sister Sophia was the closest to their mother. How did you react to, to when you heard that she died? I was very upset. I just thought my life wasn't worth living. I wanted that too. Um, I just thought we wasn't going to make it without her. But I see that we made it, and I'm very proud of us. Do you think it's hard bringing us up at the age of 20? Well, I'll be 20 this year. I'm 19. But sometimes you all give us a tough time. But I love having y'all as my brothers and sisters. All together, there are four boys and three girls living in the house. Lloyd's sister is bringing them all up on a $500 a month welfare check. It isn't easy. My name is Michael Murray. His name is Chili Back. He's at the liquor store. Almost every day, Lloyd's father visits the house. His name is Michael Murray, but everyone calls him Chill. They gave him that name. I used to shoot food. I used to hustle. Any kind of way I can get some money. When he comes over, he's almost always drunk. And the kids make fun of him. Like today, they ask him, can he spell food? Spell food. L-O-O-F. L-O-O-F. L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-O-L-O-
It's sober then. Once you start getting high, the memory is gone. It's gone. Why are you drinking? I don't understand why I'm drinking. Do you think you're going to stop? Yeah, I'm going in rehab and take care of myself. What do you drink? I drink about two or three pints of wine a day. But it ain't helping me, it ain't doing but killing me. Do people understand it's destroying you? If it's destroying you, why do you still drink it then? That's why I gotta go in the rehab program next week, because I don't want to destroy my family, because I want my family. Do you think you've been a good father? Yes, I have to the best capability I could. I have no further questions. Every Saturday evening at Lloyd's house, a bunch of people come over to play cards, mostly Lloyd's sister friends. Usually the game lasts all night. I laugh about 11.30 or 12. I met up with Lloyd the next morning. How did the card game go last night? I, I won all the money. It was $80. Hey, but how do we win it all the time? I don't cheat, which everybody I think I do. But I'm hooked now. Once I start, I can't stop. What you, what you want for breakfast? Since you back. I took the other to Josh's restaurant on 39th Street for breakfast. All right, what else? Since Lloyd had $80, we ordered everything on the menu. Then with the army, I want a hash brown and grits. OK, now, what about this French toast? I want the French toast with sausage. Sir, I want a juice. Hold on a minute. Let's hold on. Man, that was one good breakfast. French toast with bacon. Just now got through leaving out of Johnson's restaurant. I ate 12 French toast, two omelets, finna eat yours. Oh, Y'all ate the whole store up. Oh, man, I can eat again. My stomach's starting to get home. That's all we do is eat, man. Tell you plain to eat and talk. Let's get a little bus, man. We take bus rides whenever Lloyd wins playing cards. Well, either I have a little money or he gets a little money. Just ride to the end of the line. Take a break from everyday life in the ghetto. They go to they go to bus. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hold that bus. Hold that bus. Hold the bus! Hold the bus, please! <laughs> On the bus, we just sit back, relax, look out the window, and trip out. What's your favorite food? Breakfast food, lunch food, or dinner? Dinner food. This is what I'll be doing, G. You know, one week, go to the When we on the bus, we talk about anything and everything. I don't see how them Chinese people go to school seven days out of a week. It's, man, it's a, it's a couple billion Oriental people. Orientals, don't you spell like O-R-I-E-N-T-A-L? I think that's right. Because that's the name of a ramen noodle. Don't you know those noodles that we be eating? Yeah, I love them. Oriental noodles. I'll be tearing them off. When a nice-looking female gets on the bus, 
you like and let her know we there. Hey, girl. He said he like you. He said you attractive. He said, he said it's just that animal magnetism that just attracts him. He said he's so Man, he said he love you. We just like to act a fool on the bus and get some attention. We almost hit a car. Ooh, that car came out. We almost hit it. I think we did. Oh, no, we didn't. If we would have had an accident, you think we would have had it? I would have faked it. I would have sued. Like, uh, I, my neck hurt. I can't move. Man, I can't move my neck. <laughs> <laughs> my nose, bro. Oh. Would you rather have rubber nose or plastic nose? I ain't talking about the kind like my projection. Rubber nose. If I have a fight, they hit me and it just bounce right off. When they hit me in my nose, it just bounce right off. When I got home from my bus ride on Sunday afternoon, I found out that in the morning, while we were eating breakfast, my cousin Tony got jumped by one of the gangs in the neighborhood. They beat him up so bad they put him in the hospital. He wouldn't let me interview him, but I recorded him while he told his friend on the phone what happened. I'm out home, you know what I'm saying? I'm breathing in everything, but I'm not saying I can hear everything, but I ain't, you know what I'm saying? I ain't woke. Tony saying they beat him up until they knocked him unconscious. Then they hit him a couple more times in the mouth. That woke him up and he got away. He says it's just a blessing that he made it back home. It's just a blessing. It's just a blessing that I made it back home. And then when they got through going. This is where the drive I took place last year, where the L Rookie shut down some folks right in this area where we walking now. It's a little gangs and violence are just the way of life in this neighborhood. And now we see the fort where the fort used to stand. Just a block from my house is a big vacant lot. That's where the fort used to be. An old movie theater that was the headquarters for the L. Rickon Street Gang until the city tore it down. Uh, we stand on the grounds now. We still see the caution, police barriers. We're just in that grade. A lot of kids we grew up with already joined gangs. When we were walking around the neighborhood, we spied our friend Gary selling drugs. Leala asked him what he thought he would be doing in 10 years, since he already dropped out of school. I ain't gonna be alive 10 years now, because I'm selling my drugs and shit, gonna pop my ass. He says he won't be alive in 10 years, because with his selling drugs, someone's gonna shoot him before that. I don't know why some kids just give up hope, and others like me and Lloyd hold on. Maybe it's just that both me and Lloyd have at least one strong person in our families to watch over us. But no matter what the situation, Every kid who lives in this neighborhood has to grow up fast. When I was nine, I knew where drugs came from. When I was 10, I seen my first automatic weapon, a Glock 9, two clips. I seen all kinds of guns. 44, 22, Texas. Texas. I saw rifles, everything. Living around here, you hear shooting all the time. Like Vietnam, sometimes you might hear boogum, 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 silent, boogum, boogum. I remember one time I was over my auntie's house spending the night. We playing Super Nintendo. I hear this lady out, 
I heard you been looking for me, nigga. Then she just boom, 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 boom. She let off about eight shots. Then I heard the other gun fire off. And we were just still there playing her. Like nothing that happened. And then you Vietnam, some people came back crazy. I'm living Vietnam, so what you think I'ma be if I live it and they just went and visited? Living around here, man, it's depressing. Man, it's depressing. It's not a normal childhood by any means. walking towards the lakefront. Sometimes when we bored, nothing else to do. We get on the bridge which goes over Lakeshore Drive, and we drop rocks in the cars below, try to crack their windshields, and then run. Many vans are one of my favorite targets. That's a brother in there. Hit the white blazer. Blazer, red blazer. Toward that. You just drive your car now. Boom! I don't care about them people. Most of them are going to the suburbs. Baby boy, you'll do anything. Just to have some fun. No, come on, let's start running. All I know is I bust your windshield and you got insurance. I don't care about them people. Boy, you don't think I was going to do this. They popped all the way back up. Definitely ain't easy growing up in the ghetto. So far, me and Lord are okay. But it's always tough to stay out of trouble in this environment. The poverty, the drugs, the pressures, the tragedies. It gets to people. You never know who's going to get in trouble or when they're just going to give up, like Leal's sister, Janelle. Chicken salad. Ooh, that looks good. May I have a bite? We're back at Leal's house. Sister back here asleep in her room. What time you got in this morning? You stupid. You when the last time you been to school? My older sister, Janelle. When she was my age, 13, she was an honor student. She won the spelling bee. She was the salutatorian of her class. Then when she hit 14, she started bugging out. Hanging around with the wrong crowd, staying out all night, stopped going to school. The week before we did our recording, Janelle almost died. She drank too much and had to be rushed to the hospital. Can I interview you? Come on. Uh, Janelle, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm very energetic. I like to have a lot of fun. I like to drink a lot. No, I don't. Yes, you do. You smoke marijuana? No, I don't. Yes, you do tell the truth. No, I don't. You're 17? Yes. Have a child? Yes. How old were you when you had this child? 15. Let me see. How many close friends of yours has got, have got killed through the years? I don't know. I can't count all of them. It's been a lot, though. You think it's around 50? No, I don't think it's that many. Or it's around 30 or 40? Probably somewhere in that area, maybe a little less than 30. Do you know the, who killed or murdered these people? I know who killed someone. Like who? Like Bill. Who killed him? No, I ain't gonna tell you who killed Bill. Who else? I know who killed Slick. Who? I don't wanna tell you that either. Uh, who else? Cheesy. Who did, who killed him? I ain't gonna tell you that either. 
Thank you. My grandma sleeps across the hall from my sister, or she keeps an eye on Janelle and the rest of us. She's been through a lot in this house. She spent a lot of years worrying about her children. Now she has to worry about her grandkids. But she's a strong woman. Sometimes I'm thinking about what might happen to the family if my grandmother dies. A lot of times I've had dreams that she died. And when I wake up, I run upstairs to make sure that she's still there. I get onto the bed with her and my grandfather and talk about all kinds of things. Like what my grandfather was like before he had all his strokes. He was wild. Like to stay out in the street all the time. He over there batting his eyes. Yeah. He acting like he sleep. I see them eyes going to try to see what you thought about. He go about. to work all day and stay out in the street all night. Didn't he work at the cow company or? Stockyards. He worked at the stockyards uh, as a lugger. He would carry the cows on his back. A cow weighed 1,500 pounds. He dug it. He carried half of it and put him up on the hook. How did you carry them cows, Brenda? How you didn't get squashed? Get a hay with a cow. How? On your back. That's why we all got strong backbones, huh? Yeah. My grandmother says she gets her strength to carry on, her wisdom from the Bible. She loves gospel music, and of all the songs she knows, the one she loves the most is called One Day at a Time. Could you please sing that song for us? When my voice all messed up. Do it. One, two, one, two, three. Do you remember when you walked among men? Well, Jesus, you know, if you're looking below, it's worse now than then. They're pushing and shoving. They're crowding my mind. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. So help me today, show me the way, one day at a time. She was hoarse, but she still can blow. Thank you. This is Lee Allen Jones. Hello, I know. Peace out. Peace out. No, goodbye. Uh-uh. Asalamu alaykum. Asalamu See ya. And we want to be. Peace out. I'm out of Peace out. We've been listening to Ghetto Life 101 by Lee Allen Jones and Lloyd Newman. It first aired in May of 1993. 
Lee Allen and Lloyd went on to win numerous awards for their work. They actually became the youngest broadcasters ever to win a Peabody. They also reported another award-winning documentary in 1995 called Remorse, the 14 stories of Eric Morse, and authored a book called Our America in 1997. Today, Lee Allen is a father, husband, and trained student athletes in Chicago. Lloyd moved to DeKalb, Illinois, outside Chicago, where he lived with his wife and spent the last few years working at his local library, where he recently told us it didn't feel like a job, but something to be a part of, a service that needed to be provided to the community. Lloyd died December 7th, 2022, from complications of sickle cell. He was 43 years old. His spirit, kindness, and light will live on in generations to come and through the work of StoryCorps. That's all for this special episode of the StoryCorps podcast. I'm Jason Reynolds. Special thanks to Jasmine Morris, Jarrett Floyd, and Katie Brooke. The current season of the StoryCorps podcast comes to a close on Tuesday. Until then, thanks for listening.